Hello everybody and welcome to Don't Burst My Bubble with me, your host, Josh Ascroft. This is your number one podcast for daily news, updates, and entertainment from inside the NBA bubble in Orlando. In today's episode of the show, we're going to be breaking down uh, Bam Adebayo and Kendrick Nunn are in the bubble, which is great news for Miami Heat fans. Patrick Beverly has left the bubble for a family emergency matter. We will be discussing the fact that Giannis was actually playing a ruse with everyone when he said that he did not have access to a basketball hoop during the pandemic break. And also, we actually have NBA basketball to speak about. Who'd have thought it? But we had it today. I watched a scrimmage uh, between the Clippers and the Magic, which was very exciting, very telling. Um, And I was also watching a matchup between the Nuggets and the Wizards. Uh, Lots to speak about. Lots of bowl bowl to talk about. Some Jokic to speak about. Also, great to see Kawhi, Paul George. So let's get right into it. This is Don't Bust My Bubble. So, to, to kick things off, Bam Adebayo and Kendrick Nunn are officially inside the bubble in Orlando, both seemingly healthy, which is fantastic news for Miami Heat fans. Both Bam and Kendrick have played huge roles on the Miami Heat this season, who I'd say the whole team definitely surpassed expectations, definitely. I think that Jimmy Butler was a fantastic pickup for them in the offseason. So great, such a great leader, great mentality, fits perfectly into the Miami Heat culture that gets spoken about so much. But he definitely wouldn't have been able to get there without these two players. Bam Adebayo more so than anyone else on the team. Absolutely a candidate for most improved player. Would potentially get my vote if I was voting. Uh, just absolutely unstoppable for, for the future. No doubt going to be just a consistent 20 and 10 guy. Um, great defensive mind. I think that he just has so much potential. You can play him at the 4, you can play him at the 5, which is what the Heat do most of the time. Definitely a small ball center, but one who's so unbelievably effective and just you you can't seem to stop him. So that's a huge, huge deal for the Miami Heat that he is in the bubble, looking healthy. Same goes for Kendrick Nunn, the rookie, who I don't think anyone saw him blossoming in the way that he has done. But he's an essential part to that team. Add some fire, add some pace. I think that he's a great asset to have. I don't know whether they'll keep him around in the long run, they've got young guards and Tyler Harrow, uh, Duncan Robinson, you know, 2-3 as a 2-3 player. Uh, but Kendrick Nunn has been a fantastic, absolutely outplaying his salary by a very large margin. Um, and fantastic for him to be in the bubble too. The Heat currently sat in fourth in the East, uh, which is a pretty good place for them to be right now. I think that they would be hard-pressed to really move up uh, in the rankings with only a few teams, only three teams in front of them, uh, that being the Raptors, the Bucks, and the Celtics, of course. How could I possibly forget them? Uh, but fantastic news for the Heat. Pam Adebayo and Kendrick Nunn are in the bubble. Our next piece of news for the day, Patrick Beverly has left the bubble to deal with a family emergency, leaving the Clippers pretty light on the ground in terms of their guard position. I had actually completely forgotten until I was watching the scrimmage today that Reggie Jackson, formerly of the Pistons, got picked up by the Clippers and is now playing for them. So good to see him out there. So they're not completely, you know, 
they're not too thin on the ground necessarily from the guard position, but they definitely need Patrick Beverly. The defensive prowess that he brings to that team, who are certainly a defensive-oriented team when they want to be. They can they can turn it up to 11 and really go for long stretches where they decide, you know, no one's going to be scoring on us. Patrick Beverly is an integral part of that. You can say whatever you like about the guy, whether you like the way that he's always screaming when he's on the floor. If you're not a fan of that, you know, that's that's fine, but boy does he does he do everything on the defensive end of the floor so well. Obviously, uh, the Clippers can play Lou Will there, Lou Williams, um, just the the phenomenal six man that he is. Um, he's great uh, the guard position, but just a very very different skill set from what Patrick Beverly offers. You've got one guy who is just absolutely dynamite off the bench, just going to come in and give you instant off offense, and then the other guy just a defensive anchor for the guard position because you've got a a, a team made up of Kawhi, Paul George, elite top level NBA defenders. And you stick Patrick Beverly with them, wow, is that a, a scary defensive lineup that you would, anyone in the league would struggle to score against that lineup, and they have, and that's why they're such a great team. But Patrick Beverly has left the bubble for a family emergency. Um, we absolutely hope that everything is okay with him. We hope that he's able to return to the bubble, because uh, that would be a huge hit for the Clippers if Patrick Beverly wasn't there. He is... I think that right right now, the Clippers are probably still my favorite to win the championship, but without, without Patrick Beverly, that's going to be it's going to be a real challenge, and I think that that would definitely sway a lot of people's opinions on how far they think uh, the Clippers can get. It's interesting enough, the, you know, the two teams out west who are the favorites without a doubt, the Clippers and the Lakers, uh, two teams who are really struggling in terms of the guard position right now are going to have to do some pretty interesting things to work their way around it. You've got, obviously, on the Lakers, Avery Bradley decided to sit out. Rajon Rondo is out for six to eight weeks with a hand injury, leaving them pretty open at the guard position with, you know, Alex Caruso there to to fill it. Contavious uh, Caldwell-Pope can come in there too. Obviously, LeBron can play the point. And then the Clippers now without without Pat Bev, which is a huge issue for them too. So it's, it's interesting that you know, maybe if they did line up against each other, maybe that wouldn't be the end of the world. If they're, if they're both lacking in the guard position, then maybe maybe it just doesn't matter as much. But certainly for the first few rounds out West, you know, you've got some phenomenal guards in the West. Uh, Jamal Murray for the Nuggets, who can be a real, real rocket with the ball when he wants to be a uh, great range. Obviously, Luka is in the West too. And even the lower ranked teams in the West, like even with the Kings, De'Aaron Fox, there's... There's a lot of great guards in the West, and I think that, you know, that really could present a challenge for the Clippers and the Lakers if they don't have uh, the personnel to guard or the, the guards to, um, the personnel to defend the guards and then the actual guards to initiate a lot of the offense, which is, which is super important. Um, but luckily, both LA teams have um, bigger players as their primary ball handlers, you know, LeBron, Kawhi, uh, Paul George. So... We'll see. We'll see how that affects them. Hopefully, Pat Bev comes back into the bubble and is okay. Uh, in other news, Zion Williamson is supposedly will be returning to the bubble. At least it is certainly hoped by the Pelicans. According to them, they say that the plan is absolutely for Zion to be returning uh, with no plan for him to be sitting out for the rest of the season or anything like that, which is great news. Hopefully, that means that everything with Zion's family is okay. 
Um, again, same as Patrick Beverly's family. We wish the absolute best to Zion and his family. Hope that everyone's doing okay. People are getting healthy if they're not healthy as it is right now. Uh, so that's good news for the Pelicans because, boy, I think their days would be numbered in the bubble uh, without without Zion. I think with him, they've got a great shot coming in and taking that eight seed if they if they can do it, or at the very least, you know, maybe they make that play in tournament and can stay around for a little bit longer. But I think without Zion, they are almost irrelevant, and their their record from the season without him definitely speaks to that as well. Despite the phenomenal play of Brandon Ingram. Uh, Lonzo Ball really stepping up, uh, but Lonzo in particular, he is really unbelievably so much better when Zion is on the floor. Um, he's a great passer, but without without someone like Zion to be to be cleaning up at the at the other end of, the, of that pass, uh, he's very limited. So I think that the Pelicans need 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 Zion to be coming back, and by the sound of things. He will be, so that's great news for them. The Bucks, Giannis is claiming now that he actually did have access to a basketball hoop during uh, the quarantine break of the NBA, contradicting what he had previously said when he said that he he did not have one of those. And according to him, he said he was laughing about this in his media availability. He basically said, well, he did say, and I quote, anybody out there that thought I didn't have access to a gym, they don't even know me. So I just said that to try and get a little bit ahead of the competition, uh, which is a really interesting way of looking at things. And I think that it, it just speaks to Giannis as a player. He's so old school in the way that he views the NBA and the competition. He's not friendly or nowhere near as friendly with other teams as you see in the league now. And, you know, you have a lot of NBA old heads who would love to talk about how Oh, well, back in the 80s and 90s, no, nobody was friends, and it was, it was grit, and you, you didn't see players hanging out with each other, which is a lie. It's, it's just not true. People will try and make that argument, but it's, it's just false. Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley were playing golf every day while playing in the NBA Finals against each other. These are guys who played on Olympic teams together, formed incredible bonds, and were great friends. So I think that anyone who claims that is just, they're just wrong. That's just not what happened. But Giannis is is traditionally old school, stereotypically old school even, in the sense that he does not hang out with other people. He does not work out with other people from other teams um, during the offseason. He's serious about it. I, I, I don't know what it was particularly that inspired that, but Giannis, I, I think that he really is hell-bent on winning, and that's something that I don't know if you can say about every single superstar in the NBA that winning to them is the absolutely most important thing. I think Giannis still has maturity to make in and within that. I, I recall a game earlier in the year, uh, the Bucks were playing the Mavs, and uh, the the Bucks were. It looked like they were out of the game in the last few minutes, and Giannis certainly looked to be sort of sulking on the bench to an extent, and it looked like he had given up, and the Bucks ended up sort of coming back into it, and then sort of had to pump himself back up to, to get back out there and play. So I think that, you know, he's 25, though. He obviously has some some maturity left uh, as an NBA superstar. He's so young. But I think it's hilarious that he was like, you know what, I'm going to tell everyone that I actually didn't have a basketball hoop, and then everybody will be thinking, oh, well, Giannis is going to be so shaky when he, when he comes back to the game. But uh, as it turns out, that was not the case at all, and I'm super excited to be watching Giannis and the Bucks play. Um... 
no doubt the absolute favorite to come out of the East. Um, so that's great. I think that I think that Giannis is super funny for doing that. And now, actual NBA basketball has been played. Well, not not really. I guess technically it's a scrimmage. You know, technically it doesn't count towards the record. No one's stats are necessarily getting recorded. But wow, we actually got to see what basketball is going to look like in the bubble. Uh, so we started off with a scrimmage between the Los Angeles Clippers and the Orlando Magic, uh, which was interesting. I think that it's been said by numerous coaches at this point that really they're just using these scrimmages, obviously, and then also the actual eight seeding games for for the for the higher teams in both conferences anyway. Uh, they're using it really as a preseason. It's like a training camp opportunity to try out different plays, try out different lineups, and we we saw some different lineups today. So definitely we'll be talking about that. Uh, so the game was, you know, it wasn't phenomenal to watch by any means, but it was basketball. And I've missed that so badly that you bet I was absolutely glued to it. So, so what can be said from from the limited amount that we did see? For one, these are only 10-minute quarters, not 12 minutes, as is usual in the NBA, as a way of giving players a little bit more time to readjust to uh, basketball shape, get get back into uh, the stamina that it takes to be running up and the uh, running up and down the floor for you know the full full 48. Uh, what did we see, though? We saw Kawhi and Paul George together, and they looked really healthy. No no one had a good shooting game, particularly by any means. Everyone looked pretty rusty out there. Uh, Kawhi starting one for four from the floor. So definitely rust to be to be shaken off. But these guys, I'm sure, were told to just get out there, get some shots up, see how it's feeling, get your eye in. And uh, Paul George looked great. I think that he looked so healthy, and I think that that's something that that can't be said for a lot of the season. Obviously, he was coming off of his shoulder surgery. Um, but he sort of finally looks like the Paul George, you know, not not fully the Paul George that was the MVP caliber candidate from the previous season um, and an all-defensive level guy. Um, he's not all the way there yet by any means. We haven't seen that unlocked because, you know, why are they going to release that um, for this first scrimmage back? But he looked healthy. He looked really active at the rim, uh, driving through the lane, he just looked like he had great speed. It felt like he was just acrobatic, almost. I think would be the way that I'd describe him. He looked strong, fluid, um, and didn't look like he was holding himself back. So that that was really great to see. Same with Kawhi, uh, looked really healthy. Uh, looked like he was moving really well out there. And wow, that is a scary team with a with a healthy Kawhi and a healthy Paul George, who have both had four months now to get their bodies ready for for this playoff run we could potentially see some of the best basketball we've ever seen out of the two of them uh both guys who have been you know i don't know if injury prone is necessarily the right word but guys who have definitely suffered from some huge injuries in the past um you know i think that it's going to be so fun to see them well rested ready for a playoff run and just ready to go absolutely nuts especially on the defensive end um you we saw last year when Kawhi was carrying the raptors through the playoffs that you know he was so tired by the time that they got through to to the finals and really uh, a huge reason why why they won not only injuries i know people love to bring that up but not only for the injuries but because uh, the people around him really did step up. Siakam, Freddie Van Fleet, Marc Gasol, uh, 
Serge Ibaka. So it's it's going to be so fun to see a fully healthy Kawhi ready to go, ready to roll. I don't have a lot to say about the Magic. I don't think we're going to even bother talking about them because they're, they're not going to be doing anything interesting uh, in the bubble. So apologies, Magic fans. You know, they have the... Uh, quote, you know, you know, like the, the home advantage, whatever that, whatever that means in this situation. Um, but, but that's, that's all that we're going to say about the magic. Apologies to magic fans, if you are listening. Uh, but what else did we get to see from this little scrimmage? I thought that the NBA has actually done a really good job of trying to make it not too weird to not have fans in the arena. And don't get me wrong, it was definitely, definitely strange at first, but I think a couple of days into this, I really don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Uh, the the announcer on on uh, NBA TV, I think he is actually the uh, Clippers radio guy, uh, was doing the announcing for this game, and he was getting absolutely slaughtered on Twitter, which I thought was really harsh as someone who has done a lot of announcing because uh, he was basically criticized a lot for the fact that he was speaking very quickly. Uh, he didn't really stop speaking, and he was potentially to the to the point of overly descriptive. I think I have two things to say about that. It's not that I disagreed. I don't. I don't think it flowed perfectly, but I thought that he did a great job being the first guy to be to be trying to do this. I think is that must have been so nerve wracking and exciting too to be doing. But I can't even imagine the the pressure he must have been feeling for that. But. One, he's a radio guy. You know, he's going to be talking a lot. He's going to be describing everything. He's used to having a complete audience that aren't seeing anything. They are completely relying on him, like, to fully imagine everything that's going on in that game. So I think that you cannot fault him for for being descriptive. It's what he's used to. Um, and with the speed of what he was he was talking about, that comes with having to fit in so much description. And then... On top of that, people, you know, saying that he never really stopped to take a breath. I think to an extent that was probably him trying to compensate for the fact that there aren't any fans. There's no cheering, per se, other than from, you know, coaches, trainers, whatever. Um, there's a lot of dead air. There's, there's a lot of silence that they, no doubt, are trying to fill because the last thing you want is just the sound of squeaking shoes on, on the hardwood. But... I think that he did a great job, all things considered. I think that it really was. It's unfair to say that this guy did badly, which was what a lot of people were saying on Twitter, because he's just trying to do his job. He, he's trying not to let that dead air sit there. It must be super strange for him as well, dealing with, you know, not having crowd feedback to to go off of, to to change his tone to fit that, change his excitement level. So I, I think that he did actually a really good job, all things considered. Uh, we also don't, you know, not with without fans, we have these big screens up on uh, on and around the arena that have the sort of classic, like, where it would usually say, like, get loud, but, you know, they, they can't really tell anyone to get loud right now, but it's it'll say Clippers Ball and uh, things like that. They have a, kind of a hype man um, arena announcer, I suppose, uh, who's going in off the off the speakers? So the the players at least have that for normalcy. It, at least for these scrimmages, they do not have any fake crowd noise that they're pumping in. I think it's going to be entertaining to see whether they will go for that route when it comes to the actual games. Um, but for now, I think the NBA is doing a really good job of trying to make 
what is definitely not normal at all something something a little bit closer to home a little something a little bit more comfortable for everyone um in terms of what we're used to seeing so i think they actually did a really good job and moving on to talk about the the nuggets and the wizards really we're just going to talk about the nuggets because if you don't know the wizards right now they are sat in ninth place in the east however they don't have bradley beal john wall or davis bertans who are without a doubt, the three most important players on their team. So really, that team right now, it's Rui Hashimura, uh, Mo Wagner, and a, and a handful of other players who, uh, as far as I'm aware, aren't going to be making too much noise in the playoffs. That would be very surprising if, if they were to even remain four games, or that if they were to get within four games of that eight seed. Uh, but the Nuggets, super interesting. Super interesting. Let's talk about the Nuggets. So... Uh, we know that Michael Porter Jr. isn't playing for them right now. Uh, Jamal Murray didn't play today um, as a precautionary measure, according to the team. Um, but interestingly enough, they put Nikola Jokic at the point guard, which isn't totally crazy because he plays like a point guard anyway. He's always averaging, you know, uh, I believe he averaged like 7.7 assists uh, on the season. Um, so basically, you know, walking triple-double kind of guy great pass arguably the best passing ability of any big that there's been in the nba uh so not not super crazy for him to be playing at you know playing the point guard position but very odd for to for us to actually see it on the starting lineup sheet um and then on top of that bowl bowl playing small forward bowl bowl who we haven't seen all year we finally got to see some and oh boy was it magic? So let's talk about them a little bit individually first, let's, and then we can talk about them together and the potential that has. So Jokic, obviously, was uh, it was reported that he had lost 40 pounds and he was the skinny guy now, and he, you know, how is he going to be throwing himself around in the paint if he doesn't have this weight, he doesn't have this power that he usually relies on? Uh, and I don't know what happened. Those, those pictures that we saw on Instagram of uh, skinny Jokic in the jeans and the T-shirt and bomber jacket... I don't know what phone they, they, they took that picture on. Uh, I think maybe it must have been the angle that he was standing at because I thought he looked like he was about 180 pounds in that picture. But when you actually watch him play, it it's Jokic. It's not fat Jokic that we're used to seeing at the beginning of a season and what I'm sure a lot of people worried about uh, with this long hiatus. He's kept his body in prime shape. Um, he really does look great. He's probably down a couple of pounds from... When we last saw him, but he looks lean, he looks athletic, he looks like he's moving incredibly well. Um, so yeah, that's great great news for the Nuggets. Um, Jokic playing an MVP level is absolutely critical for them if they want to be really doing anything in the playoffs. I think a lot of people write off the Nuggets as a team that... You know they're a great regular season team, but what are they? What are they really going to do in the playoffs? That's kind of the issue that they've had the last last few seasons, and I think they've definitely got the potential to to change that this year. I, I don't know if they necessarily have the the strongest squad, but with a guy like Jokic playing at a super high level, Jamal Murray, who knows? Maybe we'll see just incredible play from Bol Bol, and you know you never know what could happen. I think that they're very underrated, but I. I am intrigued to see what will be happening with them actually come playoff time. They're obviously in a great position seeding-wise. So who knows? Maybe they can make some noise. Bol Bol. Wow. 
I am impressed. My my first real impressions of Bol Bol, I did not watch him play in college. I'd heard of him. I saw him on draft night wearing his uh, black Spider-Man 3-esque suit, kind of looked like that. A lot of kind of a cobweb design that was pretty cool. Playing Bol Bol at small forward is so interesting because he has been heralded for his his three-point play, which came out to, to play today. There was a point in the game where he dribbled up, and I can be I do not like the way that he looks when he's dribbling up the floor. I don't know if he's necessarily a a fantastic ball handler, which is what some people would call him. I I think it just looked abnormal, but also he's got a seven foot nine wingspan, and if he can control the basketball, I'm sure he can do very dangerous things on the dribble. It's not like he doesn't have uh, dribble moves in his bag. He does. I just think that him running up the floor with the ball is quite a sight to see, and maybe I'm just not used to seeing someone with that body type be doing that, but there was a point where he dribbled the ball up the court, went between, like, just drove straight up to the three-point line, stopped on a dime, pull up three, uh, nothing but net. I, I, it was pretty awesome to see. Uh, another point in the game now to bring in his play with Jokic, uh, there was a point where Jokic threw probably a half-court pass, uh, straight down the lane through traffic to, well, uh, through some traffic to a pretty open uh, ball ball who jumped up and just popped it in for a layup. And it just got me thinking about a duo like that, a guy, a, a pair of guys who are essentially like, well, they're both over seven feet tall. Um, both have great range. Both have a great smooth jump shot. Especially Bol Bol, I was actually really impressed. You see a lot of big guys, some of them can knock it down from three, but their stroke is just really odd looking. It, it doesn't seem to fit right for them, but it, somehow it goes in. He actually does look pretty good when he shoots. I think that uh, he definitely has the potential to be a good NBA three-point shooter, uh, which is incredibly valuable, especially for someone who is, you know, seven foot two. He's Who's blocking him? His seven foot nine wingspan. Who's blocking Bol Bol? His release is so ridiculously high. Uh, it's it's really interesting to watch. Um, but I'm just imagining uh, a situation where you have a a point guard Nikola Jokic and you have a small forward, or you can play him at center. You can play him really wherever you want. Shooting guard Bol Bol. Imagine the pick and roll. Imagine the pick and roll of Nikola Jokic and Bol Bol. Both guys able to. All pick and pop, both guys able to be that role man, both guys uh, able to set a screen, both guys able to shoot the three, shoot a mid-range. Like, that, that is an incredibly dangerous potential lineup if Bol Bol uh, continues to progress in the way that a lot of people think that he will. Um, so that was really exciting to see. Uh, very, very excited, actually, now to watch the Nuggets, who are a team that I haven't paid a ton of attention to in the past in terms of if I'm trying to find a game to watch, the Nuggets game probably isn't going to be my number one choice. But you know what? It seems like a lot of fun. A lot of fun. You throw Jamal Murray into that. What an interesting, great shooting team too. Jamal Murray, Jokic, and Bol Bol. Wow, interesting. The 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 Nuggets have the potential to go so big if they want to because Jamal Murray is not a small point guard. He's also put on uh, muscle mass uh, in this break that we've had. He's up to like 215 pounds now. Wasn't a small point guard previously, but wow, that's a good amount of weight to be able to throw around if you're staying athletic in the way that he has been. Um, so watch out for the Nuggets, is what I'll say. I think that, you know, who knows what they could do. Bol Bol, 
I'm all in. My, I'm buying Bol Bol stock right now. I loved what I saw. At the very least, it's going to be incredibly fun to watch. Um, that being said, this was also being played against a Washington Wizards team who were probably the worst defensive team, arguably the worst defensive team in the league, um, with no defense being really attempted to play all that much anyway because these are scrimmages. So, you know, maybe when you stick a, a really great defender on Bol Bol, maybe he's not doing those things exactly. But you never know. You, n- you never know. Maybe maybe he does have it all in his bag, and maybe Bol Bol is going to win finals MVP. I'm kidding. That's, that's probably not going to happen. But also, we're in Orlando, so who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But just, I'm really glad to have NBA basketball back. Hopefully the bubble continues to hold. I don't want my bubble to be burst, as you might have been able to guess from the from the title of this podcast. So really hopeful that things continue to work out, because at least for right now, everyone just seems a little bit happier that NBA basketball is back. So with that being said, I think that's going to just about wrap it up for today's episode of Don't Burst My Bubble. You can follow us on Instagram at Don't Burst My NBA Bubble. Uh, links to Twitter uh, for mine, the podcast, my Instagram. All of that will be in the description. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, We will be back tomorrow to speak more about the scrimmages uh, that are continuing to happen uh, later today, scrimmages that are happening tomorrow, and all of the news and all of the updates that you need to hear to know everything there is to know about the NBA bubble in Orlando. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Josh Ascroft, and this has been Don't Bust My Bubble. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.